welcome back to the Glean Podcast, fastest hour of the week. We're so excited that you've took time out of your busy schedule to join with us as we look at things that are going on in the world and we parallel them with the Word of God, uh, which the Word of God will, according to Scripture, will lead you into all truth. So when we take what's going on in the world and we look at what God's Word says, we get a better understanding of not only what's going on in the world, because the Bible, you know, through prophecy has predicted, uh, you know, especially what we're living in now, seeing now, has predicted these things. But also it teaches you how to live during these times and to keep your faith strong in God and that he will get us through. The Bible says the steps of a righteous man or woman is ordered of the Lord. So we believe that during these times, as we look at these things, if we are standing righteous before God, living for him, trusting his word, reading his word and spending time with him in prayer, he will ordain our steps so that the enemy cannot distract us or destroy us. So we're going to get into something tonight. Um, We're going to go all the way back here in the first part of this, we're going to go all the way back to the book of Genesis in the beginning, and uh, we're going to look at some things, but what I want to talk about tonight is a simple phrase um, that Eve was asked by Satan in the garden, and it's this one question that the serpent asked Eve in the garden that changed the trajectory of the world, and it's it's why we live in what we live in now. And that is, Satan asked the question to Eve, hath God said? We've heard this, you've probably used this saying, I've used it a million times, and, uh, you know, it, it stands true on a lot of things, but we, a lot of us make this uh, statement, and I, I, like I say, I have, and I'm sure you have, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And it makes a lot of sense. There's so much sense behind it. Sometimes people want to go in and revamp things, and I'm all about updating and improving. But, you know, sometimes in just the simple philosophy of, hey, it ain't broke, don't fix it. Because, you know, sometimes when you fix it, it never works out like you wanted it to. And it don't work as good as the old way. But we've used that statement, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And the point being that if something's working and working well, then you leave it alone. And Satan has done exactly this. This is exactly what Satan has done from the beginning of time, from his efforts, when he began to to question Eve and get Eve to question God. He is still using that very same tactic this very day. So from the beginning of Genesis, beginning of time, all the way until now, Satan is still using the same tactic because if Satan can get you to question God, then Satan can cause you to sin and Satan can cause you to become separated from God or to turn away from God. You know, I was thinking earlier um, while I was at home, it, it's always amazing to me that uh, in this society that we live in now, 
you know, you have to phrase things a certain way. You have to say things a certain way. You, you can't offend people. Uh, you can't talk against any group. Uh, you know, you, you really, you can't even talk against sin. But it's always amazing to me that when you get, uh, you know, dealing with like people that are atheist or agnostic, they like to, to, to question you, but when you turn around to question them, they all get offended and get ill and hateful and, oh, you're, you know, Christians, y'all are just being mean and hateful. You know, and, and it's the same way when you get over into transgenderism, the homosexual community or the LBGTQ alphabet soup community. They can always question us, but when we turn around to question them, there's always a problem or an issue. They want to be offended, you know. But when we begin to look through, and, you, you know, you look through the Bible and then look through your own life as we're talking about this, how many times have you went to do something that you, you knew in your heart was probably wrong, but yet you, you, there was that question there? Has God really said I couldn't do this? Is it really a sin if I do that? Is, you know, it, it's just me. I'm not bothering anybody. And, you know, you see, when, when you accept Jesus into your heart, it says that his spirit, the Holy Spirit, comes and abides on the inside of you. Uh, you know, Paul said, I was crucified with Christ, but yet I live. Not I that lives, but Christ that lives within me. And, you know, we become one with Christ. So when you begin to question God or question salvation, question the Bible. Now, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and throw this out it's not wrong to question the Bible. It's just wrong if you don't get in the Bible to find the answers. You know, uh, there's nothing more sure than the Word of God. So I'm not saying, you know, I don't want you to think, well, I, I, I can't question God. But no, sure, you can question God. He'll give you the answers. The Holy Spirit, the Bible said, leads us into all truth. So, what happens, though, is the enemy will get you into a position where you're saying, did God really say that? That's one of the reasons I always I have stressed on this podcast, I stress from the pulpit, don't just take my word for it. Don't just take Josh's word for it or, or you know, my dad's word for it. Don't just take a minister's word for it that, well, that's what God said, so that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to lead you astray. I do my level best to seek God's face, as I know Josh does or my dad, any of the pastors we have here, as many others do. But the fact is, is if you just take what I tell you and apply it, it's going to work. But then when the enemy or other people begin to question you, now that rises up an element of doubt in your mind because you don't know for sure. But if you found it in God's word, if you've seen it with your own eyes in the pages of that Bible, then you know without a shadow of a doubt that that is what God said. And when we look at Eve, you know, the Bible says, you know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then he goes on and he says that, you know, it's not good that man be alone. So he put Adam in a deep sleep. 
and he took a, the extra rib out of Adam, and out of that he formed a woman. And, you know, so Adam, before Eve was created, it said that Adam would walk with God in the cool of the day. So in other words, Adam would actually walk with God himself here on the earth, discussing about, <clears throat> here's what I named this, God, and that there we call a tree, and this is a, you know, whatever animal it could have been. This is a giraffe. This is a elephant, you know. This is a, a butterfly, you know, different things like that. But yet, and during all that, God is saying, okay, all this is great. And then God began to tell Adam, I've given you all these different trees in the garden that you can eat the fruit of. And they were amazing. I, I, I can't imagine how phenomenal these trees were. But God said, this tree here, in the midst of the garden, which was in the middle, you cannot partake of it lest you surely die. Well, that comes straight from the boss. That comes from God. That's firsthand knowledge. Why? Because I heard it myself. That's I'm talking like Adam. But what happened here was, is that was God telling Adam. Then after Eve was created, Adam's taking her out on a date. <coughs> showing her around all of creation. This is a giraffe. This is an elephant. We call this a butterfly. That's a bunny rabbit. Here's a flower. Here's all of these trees. And they're doing this, I can just imagine, as they're walking. And then all of a sudden, Adam says, you know, we can eat of all these trees, and God created all this fruit for us. But, oh, by the way, that one tree there in the middle, we can't eat of that one. And probably went on. Well, here, you you know, maybe some time had went by. We don't know how much, but Eve's by herself. And this serpent comes up, which the Bible says, you know, is cunning and crafty. And matter of fact, let's, if you've got your Bibles or following along, go with me to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, and we'll look at the first five verses there. But it says, now that the serpent, or now the serpent was more subtle, than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Hath God said that you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God had said, If you eat it, you will surely die, or if you touch it. And the serpent said unto the woman, You'll not die. God doth not say th that you'll die the day that you eat that. And he, he, he kept going there, talking to her more so about, If you eat it, your eyes will be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good from evil. Once Satan can get you to question if that's really something that God said, and then you begin to look, well, wait a minute. I mean, because they, it's a good thing if you know good from evil so that you know not to do this and you, okay, I know to do this. This is good. I'm going to do this. This is evil. I'm not going to do that. But what happened was uh, the serpent caused Eve to begin to question, I believe, more so what Adam told her than what God told Adam because she's saying, well, did God really say that? I mean, I didn't personally hear God say that, so 
Maybe he didn't say it. Maybe, maybe I heard Adam wrong, or maybe Adam just don't want me to eat of that tree. You know, I'm just paraphrasing, thinking of things because I'm wanting you to realize how many times have we had those thoughts in our mind? You know, is that person really mad at me? Did that person say that about me? Why did that person not speak to me? Are they mad? Did I do something? All of these things that, that run in our mind to cause us to get distracted from our lives. And we see that once she eat of it, once Eve eat of it, she took the, the, the fruit. I know they always say it's an apple. Nobody knows what kind of fruit it was. They just use that for some reason. But she took the fruit back to Adam, and she eat it. Now, Adam's looking at her going, well, okay, you eat it, and there's nothing wrong with you. Everything looks good. You're good. So Adam took a bite of it. But it talks about, if you read on further, that once Adam eat it, that they, their eyes were opened and they knew that they were naked and they were afraid. So they hid themselves. What happened was because Adam sinned against the firsthand knowledge, the direct directive of God, the covenant was made with Adam. The covenant was not made with Eve. She was a partaker of the covenant, but the covenant was between God and Adam. But having said that, what now has happened because they eat the fruit, that took mankind is now saying, God, I can do this by myself. I don't need you. I can take care of myself. I can take care of all of this and all of creation. I can do this. I am a God myself. And when we look at that, you see, you know, it didn't go good at all. Uh, you, you, you read much of the Bible. It, it's been a, a, a pretty much a, a, a headache ever since. Um, but you see, Satan has been convincing people <clears throat> that God is, is not true ever since then. You know, ever since Adam and Eve, <clears throat> that question Satan has been asking, hath God said, hath God said. And, you know, Second Timothy chapter 3 it reminds us here also, it's uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13. He says here, but evil men and seducers shall grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And when you begin to look in our society at how open and blatant sin is, the only reason it's like that is because somewhere down the line, somebody has been asked that question from Satan, hath God said? Hath God, did God really mean that? Is God really going to do that? Is this really going to happen? You know, many of you have probably heard people, oh, how could a loving God send people to hell? God loves everybody. Everybody's going to go to heaven. You know, I had a minister tell me, uh, it was a Catholic minister. We had My wife and I had went to a funeral, and me and him were talking just briefly right before the service, and he, you know, patted me on the back, and he said, you know, God is such a loving God. And I said, yes, he is. He said, God is so loving and so forgiving. He said, I believe if Satan himself walked up into the gates of heaven and asked for forgiveness, God would let him in. And I said, no, nah, that's not going to happen, which I turned around and walked off, you know, to go sit down for the funeral. But it's those kind of mindsets 
that has crept into the church, and that has what has caused the society to go in the direction that it's going. I'm not saying that the church has caused all the evil because the evil's always been here. It's just once the church began to question, hath God really said that? Did God, did God really mean exactly what he's saying here? That's when you begin to see society begin to change. That's why I believe when you begin to look at, you know, what we see on TV now, um, it, it just it's it blows my mind, you know, of what we actually are allowed to see now on public television, regular TV, uh, versus what we watched twenty, thirty years ago on TV. You know, the the language, the the sex, nudity, all of these things, they're just blatant it in our face. You know, the things that uh, they're putting on TV for our kids to watch. I think the newest fad, and we talked about this a little bit before, was that Coco Melon. Uh, it's a new kid show where this little baby dances for, the, uh, I think just has on a diaper, but dances for the two dads, you know. It's those little things there and people, well, it was just cute. But you see, somewhere along the line, somebody got asked the question, hath God said? And, you know, I know some people say, well, we can't be so hard on stuff like that. But there's black and white. The problem is we have, because we've questioned God, we have made everything a gray area and nobody knows anything, you know. But deep down inside, I believe people know what is right and what is wrong. And, you know, Jesus said this about the end times because in the book of Mark, in the 13th chapter, the disciples, a few of them were there with Jesus and they were talking and they were asking him, you know, because he was talking about he would be going away and he would come again. And they were asking him what he is a sign, you know, what will we see? How will we know uh, the second coming? And Jesus said to them, this is Mark 13, verses 5 and 6, but he said that take heed lest any man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And we can see, you know, when you look back through many of y'all that's been watching for any length of time, some of the topics we've talked about as far as uh, the church and homosexuality, uh, you know, Andy Stanley come out for the homosexuals. Andy Stanley's also come out and said, you know, that we misinterpret the Bible and what was in the Bible, the way we read, it's not really what it means, you know, different things like that. So because these people are ministers, I believe many a time, I, I think a lot of these ministers, uh, not all, but a lot of them at, at, at the beginning probably started out with pure hearts, pure motives, uh, and was following Christ. But I believe through time and being questioned, hath God really said that? Because they're looking at, well, God's supposed to love everybody, so did he really say he would judge this person? Did God really say this would happen to this person? You know, that many people, they've come, Andy Stanley and a lot of these different ministers, they come in the name of Jesus and saying, you know, that to follow us as we follow Christ, but they've deceived many. 
And, you know, we look, we've done the, the episode on the Methodist church. Now it's pulled away because they want to be more inclusive and more open in accepting the homosexualities. Um, you know, uh, gays and lesbians and transgenders to allow them to preach. You've seen this happen in the Catholic church now. Um, and I've even, you know, one of the things as I was looking tonight that I, I, you know, became aware, you know, where are, as far as what I would consider mainstream ministry preachers, uh, the kind of the household names with the exception of Rod Parsley, uh, I don't know that I'd really considered Jesse Duplantis a mainstream. Uh, a lot of people know him, but there's a lot don't. But, you know, Rod Parsley was on national television for years. But with the exception of him, a lot of your mainstream ministries, where, where, where are they at when it comes to taking a stance on sin and what sin is? Uh, you know, they're not doing it. And I believe part of that reason is because you know, they're, they're worried about losing their big audience that, you know, 20,000 members, 50,000 members. Um, they're worried about losing that. So they end up catering the message of Christ, the gospel. They cater it to fit the group that they're, they're ministering to. So they don't lose them instead of just preaching the Bible, you know, and I believe that's where at some point in time, in order for them to keep their crowds, keep the money flowing, keep this um, celebrity lifestyle, so to speak, um, I think they even call them celebrity pastors, you know, they want to keep that lifestyle. So they've asked that, that question. Satan's got in there and said, did God really say that? Do you think God really, you know, if you preach that people's going to leave, you know, if you preach that you're going to hurt somebody's feelings, you know, if you preach that that person is not going to come back to church, Satan's getting us to question, did God really say that's why I so believe it is important and imperative in these last days that even you as followers of Christ, not just the pastors. Yes, it's absolute paramount and <laughs> of utmost importance that a pastor spends time in the word of God and in prayer so that he can hear to lead the sheep, lead the flock in the direction that God has for, especially now in, in the turbulent times that we're living in. But at the same time, you as believers, you need to get in and, and know this word for yourself so that when some of these preachers come along and preach something that's off, that's not right. Your spirit will tell you. You'll always know. You know, I know my dad had said this, and, and I've experienced this myself in my own walk, that I've been listening to different ministers before, and, uh, you know, it may be somebody I didn't know and I start listening to them, or maybe I went somewhere and listened to someone, was invited, and they would be preaching, and all of a sudden what they were preaching sound good, but deep down in here something just didn't feel right about it. And I would go home and I would begin to study it. And I would find out that, no, you know what? That's not right. That's all. Why? Because I found it in the scripture and what they were preaching, were they were in error. Then on the other hand, I've been listening to the ministers before and they be preaching something and in the inside here, I just want to leap. Just, I mean, just makes me happy. 
you know, make, like I like to say all the time, makes my baby jump. And, uh, you know, in here I would know that, and it was like the Holy Spirit would say, that's good, follow that. You know, so we all have that inward voice of the Holy Spirit, and if we read the Word of God and study it, that voice becomes louder. The commandments of God become louder than the voice of the enemy questioning, hath God said. You know, and even Paul gives us a strict warning in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul said himself, he said in verses 3 and 4 of 2 Timothy chapter 4, he said, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. And I believe that every one of us can sit back right now and go, wow, that is exactly where we're living right now. You know, because we have begun to see so much of that happen. Um, you know, I, we're, we're looking in the political realm. Um, you know, I heard a guy make this remark the other day, you know, that uh, we, we've got to get the politics back out of the church. We've got to preach the gospel. Well, I don't see, and I, I challenge anybody that may be watching this, you explain to me how you can preach the unadulterated word of God and not talk about politics. I mean, I, because there's so much sin and backbiting and lying and sleight of hand and, and all of these things that the Bible talks against going on in the political realm right now. And I believe a lot of that hangs on the church because we have not taught it for so long. Same thing with sex. And, you know, I, I know for a long time, if you got up in a pulpit and said the word sex or intercourse, uh, there's going to be people having strokes and seizures and falling out in the sanctuary because, oh, them's nasty words. You know, but at the same time, who created it? God created it, and he meant for it to be the pleasurable and enjoyable between one man and one woman. But I believe with the church remaining silent, there's some things you just don't talk about from the pulpit, that the enemy took that and he began to put that question in people's mind. Did God really say that? Because what's one of the biggest statements that people make now? Well, you can't help who you love. Yes, you can. Well, no, you if you if you if you know you was created to love that person, no. It's a choice. And, you know, but we use these excuses because once the enemy says, hath God said, now we flip it and make an excuse so we justify the sin that our flesh is living in and enjoying. You know, one of the people, um, I was reading this today doing some research, and, you know, this really bothered me. But uh, this, this interview was back in 2015. And you may say, well, man, that... That was nine years ago. That that's that's irrelevant, you know. But it's not. It's very relevant for now. And I believe you can see how the church has went in this very direction. But uh, Bishop T. D. Jakes, and you know, there's a household name everybody knows. Um, he was questioned by the Huffington Post, which is a secular, worldly magazine, 
about homosexuality, the LGBTQ issues, and how the church should address those. And what I'm going to read you here, these are direct quotes from him. I'm not paraphrasing or putting words in his mouth, nor is the mag. This comes straight from him. And this is what you have to be aware of. And I think this is why a lot of us as Christians think that deception, oh, I'll know that. I mean, it would be obvious. I would see that. The problem is, if you go back to Genesis, it says that the serpent was the cunningest or craftiest, the most subtle of all creatures in the fields. Satan is coming at us through the church, through the scriptures, trying to manipulate those scriptures to where through men so that we begin to question it. Or these preachers will take those statements. I like how some of them, they use big words and eloquent speech, but in reality, it's just shallow and empty. But he done, the way I say it is T.D. Jake's done a phenomenal job of sounding spiritual, but he avoided the direct question that was asked him 100%, but most people was too blind to see it. But T.D. Jake said himself, he said that each church, and now listen to this, he said each church needs room to form and preach its own views on LGBTQ issues and that every Christian should find a place of worship where their views align with the teaching. I mean, you know, uh, you can't, you can't, that, that's, that's not Bible. <laughs> that, that is 100% against the word of God right there, but it sounded good. It sounds loving. It sounds open. It sounds like, oh, we, we just, you know, but here's the thing. He said every church needs room to form and preach its own views on LGBTQ. No, that's the problem. The church cannot form or preach its own views. The church has to form to be formed. The Bible says be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the what? Renewing of our minds. Well, we're being conformed. The church is being conformed. That's the two, uh, what do they call it? Double word? I forget them anyway. Yeah, I've been out of high school too long. But anyway, conformed. A con, you know what a con artist is. You know, to con means to deceive. So to conform means that lies will get you to shape your opinions and views on the way something is. And that's what he's saying here, really, is every church needs room to form and preach its own views. No. We, we don't, you don't have, that's, we don't have room for that. We cannot form our own opinions. We cannot preach our own gospel. It's not our own gospel to preach. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have to preach it the way Jesus said to preach it. And it has to be done with truth and in love, you know. But what he's doing here is he's escaping, escaping the issue 
going around it. But there's a lot of people now that look up to him going, you know what? Maybe we need to look at this and form our own opinion on how we should approach this. No, the Bible is plain about it. It's sin. <laughs> it's sin. Sin leads you to where? Hell. You know, and I know there'd be people that may watch it and don't like it. But then he went on and said, every Christian should find a place of worship where their views align with the teaching. So in other words, if you're going to a, a church that's preaching the word of God, that preaches against sin, that preaches holiness, right living, that preaches doctrine. So if you're preaching that and it steps on your toes and it gets all up on that sin that you continue to continually live in and you don't like it, then you just go find you a church because like we read before, There'll be many that'll come in my name saying, I am Christ, and they'll deceive many. You're going to go find that other church that says it's Christ, and they're going to teach what you want so that it makes you comfortable to live in the sin that you're in. All because somewhere down the line, that question was asked. Satan got in there and said, hath God really said that? Hath God really said that? homosexuality is a sin. Hath God really said that there's marriage should only be between one man and one woman? Hath God said that men, two men shouldn't be together or two women? Hath God said that you, you can't step out of the marriage and just, uh, you know, uh, have sex with whoever you want because in the end love is love. And that's how we express love. You know, all of these things, then he went on and he said this. I mean, he doubled, T.D. Jakes doubled down on stupid. He said the church should have the right to have its own convictions and values. If you don't like those convictions and values and you totally disagree with it, don't try to change my house, move into your own, and find somebody who gets what you get about faith. And now you see. That's why it says the church should have its own right. That right there is saying the church should determine what it preaches and what it don't preach. You say, well, yeah, it should. No, if it don't preach the word of God, it's preaching its own gospel. So what has it done? It's went right back to that first sin. Hath God said, because if you eat of this fruit, you'll know good from evil and you will be as God's yourself. And that's what we see with a lot of these churches. If it's not preaching the unadulterated word of God, and it's not preaching against sin, if it's not preaching holiness, if it's not preaching sound doctrine, according to the gospels of Jesus Christ, then it has become a God unto itself because it's our church. And this is how we view it. And some people have asked me before, well, what is your church's stance on this? What is your church's stance on that? What do y'all do? We teach what the Bible says. Exactly. There's no interpretation or variation. We preach and teach what the Word of God says. And then that's where, this is where he, what he said, that it, and it sounds, oh, this is just, it sounds so good. Man, he's so intelligent. and Oh, his intellect. Well, he says, if you don't like those convictions, what convictions? You mean the ones that if you preach the word of God that 
those convictions, hmm, if you don't like those and their values and you totally disagree with it, don't try to change my house, move into your own. So in other words, don't question the way I teach. If I'm going to teach it wrong, but I've got a huge church and a mass following and I've got this lavish lifestyle, you leave me alone and leave my people alone. But what these kind of ministers are failing to understand is the Bible says, woe unto thee. That means you better stop and pay attention. You know, woe unto these that cause the littlest one or the least of these to stumble. It would be better. See, this is talking about ministers. It would be better that you have a millstone hung around your neck and cast into the sea. He, Jesus gives this warning of all of these preachers that are out here preaching stuff that does not line up with the word of God. You know, and look at how many things the church as a whole is questioning now. It's not just about homosexuality or uh, the LGBTQ or transgender. It's not just about that. How many, how many churches are now quest questioning the sanctity of marriage? How many churches are now questioning the uh, you know, right to life, pro-choice versus abortion, you know, or pro-life? You know, how many are now questioning, uh, you know, music? You know, they'll play secular music as walk-in songs, you know, in some of these churches. They'll have skits and plays that have demonic undertones or worldly undertones because it sounds good and it looks cool. You know, and, you know, how many times have you, you heard churches preaching now against prosperity, you know, against tithing? Well, tithing's of the Old Testament. You know, uh, tithing's not for today. The church don't need my money. Oh, that seems like that's all they want. I'm not giving like that. I'll give what I want to give when I want to give. That kind of attitude is you're telling God, I'll be God. I've got this. I'm God all by myself. I'm God. I'll determine what I give, and I'll determine when I give. And if you understand the principles of God, especially if you go to this this church, yeah, you can. You know, you can give what you want. And you can give when you want. But it would be a whole lot better for you to give when God said, and give what God said to give. Why? Because I'm not my own. I was bought with a price. I'm His. So whatever He says, do. That's what I'm gonna do. So we begin to see through all of this, I hope you begin to see this tonight, you know, about all of this stuff where they, they're trying to question, get you to ask the question, did God really say that? Did God really mean that? Is the Bible really true? You know, uh, there's a lot of people, this one famous writer just come out and said that, you know, uh, the Bible, I can't remember her name, I, I meant to write it down and didn't, but she come out and made a statement that the Bible uh, was full of uh, hypocrisy and that if we didn't do something to, to put a, 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 you know, rein the Bible in, that it was going to cause uh, irreparable damage or something like that uh, on nations. But yet the Bible, you know, it, it, and she said somebody, it's giving people false hope and we don't live in some fairy tale land where at the end of the day, everything's going to be all right. You know, but yet the Bible is the oldest book in history. 
it, it, it has spanned eons of time, and it is still the number one best-selling, most-selling book of all times, and it breaks its own record every time. No other book has come close. But yet, Satan is still out there going, did God really say that? And you see, when we, we begin to think about, well, how can we, how can we keep doing what we're doing? I've got to make this sound good. So we try to cut this part of the scripture out and add this part and say, well, you know, what God really meant there, <laughs> you know, I, and that amazes me, uh, you know, when people, well, what God meant, no, no, what did the Bible just say? Well, yeah, but that's not, no, that's exactly what he meant. And God gives us outlines in the Bible. This is right. This is wrong. This is sin. This is not. You know, it says the wages of sin is what? Death. Well, if the wages of sin is death, that means that there's wages paid for good living. So we have to really be careful in these last days. Satan is asking every one of us, hath God said, you're going to face something in your life. You know, uh, you may even face something this year where the enemy is going to jump on your shoulder and he's going, you're going to hear that question. Did God really say that? Is that really what God meant? I, I mean, you know, you'll be okay. It, he understand. Just ask for forgiveness later. You'll be all right. And God's saying, that's not at all what I, this is what I said. You know, and again, I don't want you to think, well, I can't question God because when it comes to finances, God even said would find, he said, try me and see when it comes to tithing. You know, try me and see means, well, I'm going to test you out. Well, to test is to question, to find a, a result. So that's why it, it, it's not that you can't ask God questions, but it's when you, you want to say, you know what, God, I don't like the way you're doing things. I'm going to be God all by myself. I'm going to take care of this. That's where the sin comes in. And when you begin to look at all these different ministers and, and churches, make sure that your church is preaching doctrine, that it's preaching holiness, that it's preaching against sin. You know, make sure it's, it's preaching faith, healing, salvation. You know, make sure that what it's teaching is the word of God and not any kind of variation. I heard a minister say one time, what I'm preaching right now, you're not going to find in the Bible. Well, there's a lot of people heard that and thought, man, he's got some great revelation from God. And they fell right into that trap. They were deceived because he said what he said. And it sounded anointed. It sounded powerful. It sounded holy. But if you go back to the Bible, he says that even if the prophets or an angel come and says that, we have a more sure word, and that's talking about the Bible, the scriptures. We have a more sure word because of what the Bible says. So be cautious of what you watch, what you listen to, and know that even though a lot of things seem crazy right now going on in the world uh, with wars, rumors, of all of these things that's going on in our world, the Bible it spelled every bit of it out. But when that enemy comes to you in your situation and makes you question God, you just remember, no, I know what God's word said. 
God said it, and I'm going to do exactly what he said. My flesh may not want to. My flesh is going to want to do something else. But I'm going to make my flesh listen. Like Paul said, I have to crucify my flesh daily. I have to make my own flesh listen. I have to pull it into subjection and make it do what God says and how God <clears throat> says do it. So we have to understand that there's going to be false teaching. There's going to be these manipulations. And there's going to be things that are, may make you go, well, did God really mean that? Because they give good arguments with this stuff. But when you get in the word of God for yourself, then you know firsthand this is what God's word says. And when you know it firsthand, it's really hard to get your mind changed. You know, that's one of the biggest problems now is there's been so many people deceived and they believe that lie that somebody's told them instead of getting in God's word and, and finding that truth for themselves, they're now what we call self-deceived. A self-deceived person is the hardest person to correct. Why? Because in their heart of heart, no, that's right, you can't change my mind. And you see, when you go back to that one question, hath God said, why is that the question that he asked? Because when you question did God really say that? You're now beginning to separate yourself from who lives on the inside of you. Satan wants you isolated. I was talking to a young man yesterday morning, uh, and that's what I was telling him. You know, he said, I feel like I'm all alone. And I said, but you're all alone because of some choices that you've made in your life. The sin that you, you struggled with, that you kept going back to, that's what's isolated you. So that's the enemy. I said, the Bible says Satan is going about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. When you go and look at the animal kingdom, predators don't go for the strongest. They look for that weakest one, that one that has stumbled, that one that is injured, that one that is hurt. And they isolate them by their self so they can go in for the attack and they can destroy or kill them. That's what Satan gets you to do when you begin to listen and entertain that voice. Well, did God really say that? Does God really, is it, it's okay if I do that. I, I, you know, when you begin to question God, now you're telling God, I'm God by myself. I don't need you, God. You don't need to tell me what to do, when to do, or how to do it. I'm, a, I'm my own man. I'm my own woman. I can do what I please. That's you saying, God, I can do a better job at governing my life than you can. I can do a better job running this world and running this nation than you can. And that's the mindset that we've took in the world, and now look where it's got us. Look at our worlds that we live in now. You know, it, 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 it just boggles your mind when you look back at that and go, yeah, we, we, we missed it. We've made a mess. And that's the importance. When we realize that God and his word gives us direction and we submit our lives to him, that's the only thing that is going to get this nation back to where it needs to be, a prosperous nation, one nation under God, not above God, not side by side with God, submitted under means submitted to God one nation 
submitted to God with liberties and justice for all. The only way to get back to that is to get that question out of the way, hath God said, get in his word. So when that question is asked of you from Satan, you've got a ready answer for Satan said, no, nope, God's word says this. And I believe you'll begin to see some things change in your life as well. Well, guys, that's all we've got for tonight. But I appreciate you being on here tonight. I hope you've got something out of this. But just remember, Satan wants you isolated. He wants you by yourself so he can attack. And he starts it. His first initial question to you is, hath God said, did God really mean that? Does God really? It always starts with that question. So he can get you pulled away from the church, the true church, and he can get you into a place where he can attack you, destroy. The Bible says he wants to kill, steal, and destroy. That's all he can do. But Jesus said, I have come that you may have a life and have it more abundant. Guys, do us a favor. If you like it, hit that like button to help us out. If you don't like it, that's fine too. I just appreciate you watching for a little bit. And you can hit the unlike, the dislike button. Not going to hurt our feelings. But also do us another favor and take it and share this on your social media. That helps spread the word. But also, I'm going to add one thing to this. If you share it on your social media platforms, instead of just sharing it, how about writing just a little caption over the top that may entice some of your friends to, to take a few minutes and click on it. And you may be surprised because if they hear something out of your mouth, they may be, may be more apt to, to click on it and watch it. And something that they watch may change their life for the better and cause them to cry out to Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Guys, thank you again. We love you. We appreciate you. And we'll see you back here next Wednesday night. God bless.